It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bengals fans and welcome back to day two of Locked on Bengals 2021 NFL draft coverage. I'm your host Jake Lisko along with your host James Rapine. Today's episode of the Locked on Bengals podcast is brought to you by Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. Get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics. Just text draft to 231-231. James, a roller coaster day a little bit for Bengals fans, although some of the orange tinted glasses are happy no matter what. Some of Team Sewell are taking a vindictive victory lap today. There's some rage in those veins after some people feel like the Bengals squandered their second round opportunity to pick a good offensive lineman. We'll start with the second round. We'll go to the third round. We'll we'll get some overall thoughts. And then we'll reset a little bit for day three of the draft. So let's start. The Bengals on the clock at pick 38. Trades are going every which way. Everyone's losing their minds. People are calling for a timeout in the draft because they can't keep up with the trades. The Bengals become one of those teams to trade back. They add two fourth round picks moving back with the New England Patriots with Tevin Jenkins on the board. And the reactions start coming in. James, how are you feeling at this point? I actually didn't mind it because I I knew ahead of time that they weren't going to take Tevin Jenkins. And I, th- I I probably found out middle of the day Friday after I had already written about him. And obviously that's a guy from a talent perspective. No brainer if he's there at 38. And I think you had came to the, the same conclusion that it was it wasn't going to happen. And so it wasn't shocking to me, but I get it because as a fan, there's this top 20 offensive lineman or top 20 prospect that happens to be an offensive lineman that might be able to be a tackle, certainly can play guard, and he's there. And yeah, there are medical issues, little rumblings on Twitter, and and you wonder about that and, and how serious it is, and that's probably why he fell, but he's there. He's on a platter. Pick him. And that's how the Bengals are. They're, they're like, the plan came together. The plan was there. Why would you trade out? And yet at the same time, if they weren't taking Jenkins, then trading out is the only way, and I'll repeat this, Jake, the only way where taking Jackson Carmen was acceptable. Because if they took him at 38 <laughs> with Tevin Jenkins on the board and all of those offensive linemen on the board that we talked about on our last podcast and we certainly discussed on Twitter on Friday afternoon and they sit up there and they take Jackson Carmen it would have been much, much worse. I think the reactions would have been way, way worse. And I know they were bad. I saw a lot of them um, because the the responses to the trade down article I wrote and in, in, uh, the, the Jackson Carmen article when he was eventually pick, uh, picked was uh, they weren't necessarily fun and nice things. But 
that's really the only way that that it's acceptable to take Carmen in that situation, I think. And maybe the Bengals knew that because I thought for sure he would be there when they traded down. I didn't think they traded down far enough where they were in danger of missing out on him. Yeah, before the draft started, I started retweeting a bunch of Jackson Carmen clips because a lot of us kind of got a tip that the Bengals were really interested in Jackson Carmen. And it was around that time that I tweeted this, James, and and tell me if you think this is fair, because I was concerned that they were going to sit at 38 and pick Jackson Carmen. And Zach Taylor said they were ready to do that, but then they found a trade partner. And I think they won that trade, by the way. They got a good return on that trade. Adding two picks is great. But this is what I wrote, James. I said the Bengals have a chance to prove people that gave them an F for drafting Jamar Chase right or wrong based on what they do in the second round. They have options, but they need to pick the right guy. If they pick a perceived reach, there will be some possibly earned fire from those that think they should have picked Penny Sewell. Sure, sure. And and there's going to be fire there. And to them, and, and what the Bengals would say is, yeah, Penny Sewell wasn't as good of a, you know, wasn't as high on our board. <laughs> and we knew there were going to be offensive linemen there, right? And I agree with that. At the same time, if I'm on the other side of it and I'm looking at it like, all right, so you had this this really, really high-end tackle or guard, whatever the hell you want to play him at, he's going to be really, really good. And instead you pick Jackson Carmen, it better work out. And not only should it, it have to work out for the Bengals since they went this route with all those guys there, but they better hit on one of these fourth or fourth round picks that they got. Because you're right, on paper, I mean, I even wrote the Bengals got a haul. If you if you move back eight spots, 38 to 46. And you get two fourth rounders, and I get it. One's a compensatory. It's at the end of the fourth round. I get that. That's still crazy good. Like I was like, that's awesome. That, that's that's perfect with all those offensive linemen on the board. And, and you know what would have been worse to me than, than moving down? The the people are like, well, what if Christian Barmore's there? I don't give a damn about Christian Barmore. I don't want the Bengals to take Christian Barmore there. And I know that was a small minority, but there were some people mentioning defense there. I was not in in that market. I was in the offensive line market. And the Bengals were too. It was just a guy that I don't think outside of, you know, four hours before the pick, I don't think any of us thought that Jackson Carmen was going to be the pick. And yet here we are. Here we are indeed, James. We should talk a little bit about Jackson Carmen, the player, really quick, just to talk about the trade on the Rich Hill value chart, which represents recent history of NFL draft pick trades. The Bengals received 128, 24, and 17 points of value in return for 157 points of value. The the Bengals end up winning the trade by roughly 17 points, that extra fourth rounder that the Patriots threw in. That's great. Because the Bengals, like you said, like Zach Taylor said, they were ready to sit at 38 and pick Jackson Carmen. So to get those two fourth round picks, I absolutely love the trade back. I wish they were targeting a different player maybe, but that's entirely based on, you know, my opinion, my priors, the, the opinions of people that I trust. Not necessarily right. People get draft pick and draft projections wrong all the time. And we'll hope the Bengals are right here because while Jackson Carmen may not have the the pedigree or the reputation of a Tevin Jenkins. There are some things to like about his game. Great movement ability, especially for his size. At guard, I think his style plays a lot better. Some of the footwork issues that I'm concerned about go away a little bit. Some of the uh, 
op- opportunities for him to become exposed on the edge and end up lunging and end up off balance go away a little bit when you start to play him in a phone booth. So I think moving to right guard, which is what Zach Taylor said the initial plan is for him, is to re- compete for the right guard job, should play up his strengths quite a bit. And him pulling, pin-pull action or just straight pulling from the guard position, he has great movement ability to do that. So it's a, it's a good challenge early here for Frank Pollock. If he can get this guy motivated, it's great. And I saw a lot of people, James, saying this is like a Drew Sample pick. And I don't think it's like that. And the primary reason I don't think it's like that is because when the Bengals traded back and ended up picking Drew Sample, they they missed the guy they wanted. And they ended up picking Drew Sample. In this case, they were going to sit at 38 and pick Jackson Carmen because they had him probably as a 1C guy. They had him ahead of Liam Eikenberg and Tevin Jenkins and Dylan Raddins and Sam Cosme, but, but they still got the guy and they added the picks. And that's the thing is there are probably other teams that were higher on Jackson Carmen than the consensus, right? Than the Lanzer line who had him in round three or Dane Brugler round three and, you know, in that range. And, and yeah, maybe another team would have taken him at 55 and the Bengals are like, look, if we can move back from 38, we're going to do it. But I agree with you. I mean, I mean, what I heard, they were ready to go at 38. And I don't even know if I, I actually, I did write Jackson Carmen's name as one of the basically other candidates for the 69th pick. So that's, what's tough to swallow is just the the perception of it. But I agree with you. It's not a Drew Sample pick. This guy should be able to come in and contribute right away and start if they need him to start. Uh, and I think they're going to need him to start right at one of these guard spots. And the, the other factor here. And I hope it's a big factor is is Frank Pollock in them kind of getting him the guy that he's targeting, that he wants. Right. And the the, the kind of the concern for me was he didn't get out there to, to Clemson's pro day. And not that Carmen would have worked out because he, he was recovering from the, the minor surgery he had on his back. And yeah, so he didn't go through workouts. But it stinks that he didn't get to do what we saw with like Elijah Vera Tucker and put him through workouts and do stuff like that at pro days. And I know most coaches don't get to do that with the guys that they pick, but it would have been nice to to go a little farther because again, this guy is probably going to be blocking for Joe Burrow in week one. Yeah. It's one of those interesting scenarios, right? Where the Bengals were higher on this guy than the rest of the league. Right. But they also felt comfortable that they could trade back and still get him. It went exactly as they planned. It would. And, and maybe you disagree with their evaluation. I think that's totally fine. If you do, you're entitled to your opinion. I'm going to try to give the kid a chance. We'll see what he's got. He's a Bengal now. And Frank Pollock has to get the most out of him on the field. And, and that's that. That's his task. I, I do want to say about Jackson Carmen, the, the one thing that I think I, I can't quite get past on this pick, and the reason I gave it a D minus slash C plus incomplete grade on Twitter, James, is because for me, that, that's where it is from an evaluation perspective, but he does not have the tackle upside that mm-hmm. some of these other guys might have had. This is a guard, and I think that, I mean, I think it's a guard. I think the Bengals also think that's a guard. So the the challenge for the Bengals then becomes if they wanted to go back up and get a guy or they wanted to get a guy that's falling. Say, they're, say they love Quinn Miners, and we heard that they like Quinn Miners. And, and they wanted to trade back into the, the bottom of the third round and use those fourth round picks to go get them. 
well, now you've already with with, with having already drafted uh, Jackson Carmen, who who you're pegging as a right guard. Where's the fit for Quinn Miners? You know, do you think he's a lot better than Trey Hopkins? Is it worth trading up at that point? Uh, I I don't know. That that makes it a little bit harder for them, maybe. And, and now, as we look to the fourth round, which we'll do at the end of the show here, I'm mostly looking at tackles. Whereas maybe there's an interior guy that. Actually, it's not the case. I, I actually, out of the remaining guys, I think that uh, the best player is is probably a tackle. But we'll get there a little bit later, James. Should we pivot to Joseph Osai at this point? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get to the Bengals' second-round pick, Joseph Osai. You see what I did there, Jake? You you actually almost snuck that by me, James. You almost John Cena'd me. Coming up next, Joseph Osai, the Bengals' third or second-round pick. We'll talk about that in just a second. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that have responsibly sourced limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is the exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today that we've been telling you about on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. They are rings that are sure to bring joy into her life. For Mother's Day, engagement, or simply a beautiful conversation piece, the perfect way to show that special woman how much she means to you. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight, and it's fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring, She'll treasure forever. You're going to want to check this out. They won't be around long, so make sure you go find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Hey, Bengals fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a free complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. That includes you. So to get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T, text DRAFT to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by testophen, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now, they're going to include a bottle of Nujex Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape. Absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231231. That's DRAFT to 231231. Message and data rates may apply. James, before we dive into Joseph Osai, I forgot something that I wanted to mention about Jackson Carmen. This comes from Bob McGinn's piece. He talks to scouts every year. Just a couple of quick notes, and then we'll jump right into Osai. Jackson Carmen, according to the scouts Bob McGinn talked to and polled, was voted the eighth best offensive lineman in this class. He was voted the second best guard in this class. That's one of the highest grades I had seen on Carmen. Mike Renner had him as a second-round guy, right around 50. A lot of other boards had him as a third-round guy. So it's not that this is a bad pick. It's not that this is a guy who's not going to contribute in the NFL. It's it's strictly a value thing when I talk about the grade I give it. But the reason that it's incomplete is because they traded back and they have those extra fourth-round picks. And they've been pretty good, compared to some other teams anyway, at converting fourth-round picks. That out of the way, James, let's transition to the freak from Texas, 
at 256 pounds that the Bengals drafted in the third round, a guy that a lot of boards had on the second round. A little bit of inversion factor here. The PFF board, for example, saw him as a third-round guy, but Dame Brugler sees him as a second-round guy. The Lance Zerline-driven grades from NFL.com had Joseph Osai graded as a better prospect than Jackson Carmen. Best known, I think, for his game against Tevin Jenkins when he got equal parts dominated and equal parts won the game for Texas. He is the newest Cincinnati Bengals rotational edge rusher, and he brings a boatload of athleticism. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. And for those that were bummed about the Jackson Carmen pick, for for lack of a better term, I mean, Joseph Asai was a kid that people were talking about maybe in the back end of the first round or the uh, the start of the second round a few weeks ago. Like there was talk about that, and I certainly think most people expected him to be in the middle of the second round, taken in that range. And instead, he he falls to the beginning of round three. And that's if there's a beauty in Having a bad record, it's that you're picking at the start of each round. And so you usually can get a faller. And that's what the Bengals did here. And I like him a lot. I think he's going to be able to come in with those athletic traits that he has and make plays. And and you read about him. And and honestly, not even just reading about him because you can read a lot of things. Um, and, And I'm sure our listeners, if you're listening to this, you probably already read. He has a high motor that's used a ton. But you talk to this kid. And you can just feel his energy through the Zoom. Like, I I really did. He was, it it was, um, he's going to work extremely, extremely hard for the Bengals and and really try to to be a great player. And when you have that, that work ethic, and you mix it with the the physical traits that he has, that you saw at Texas's pro day. And that, by the way, defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo admitted, he was like, yeah, man, he's explosive. And it, I asked him about it. He was like, it's great when the tape matches the workout and, and, and you can see them both and they line up. And it certainly does with Osai. So I don't know why he fell to round three. I didn't hear any medical stuff. So maybe you did. I don't know. But uh, either way, it, uh, it seemed like a pretty damn good value pick for the Bengals. I didn't hear any medical stuff on Osai. Uh, I'm not exactly clear on why it fell. If anything, it could be because he's a little stiff. He, he didn't do agility testing. Some of the times when guys have this kind of explosion, he had a one five eight ten 10-yard split on a four six two forty, at, like I mentioned, 256 pounds. So all of those numbers are fantastic for an edge rusher. He's a little bit light for what the Bengals usually like an edge rusher. I think he might rush from a two-point stance. This might help. Lou Anarumo get more into that three, four front that he wants to put up with guys standing up. He just became a full-time edge rusher, but from a, from an analytic perspective, ignoring for a second, the, the fantastic athleticism or the relentless motor that never gets turned off in practice, according to his coaches that changed, changed positions in college and was still a productive player and still came out early and is 21 years old. If you ignore all of that and look only at the analytics, and that's a lot to ignore, had amazing production as an edge rusher, had the second highest edge rusher production score out of all the guys we charted this year, and and by which I mean included the numbers from Jim Metrics. Jim Coburn does a great job with the analytic data. Second highest edge rusher productivity score in this class. And then the burst, 
the 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 he jumped almost as high as Jamar Chase. I think he he <laughs> maybe got beat by a half inch in the vertical with Jamar Chase. He he broad jumped maybe two inches less at at fifty six more pounds. So this is an explosive athlete. Maybe doesn't turn the corner the way you see from an elite elite edge rusher. But the Bengals have won with edge rushers like this for a while. They didn't have that elite agility. Meanwhile, Sam Hubbard is kind of the opposite way. Doesn't quite have the burst of a guy like Osai, but tested with insane agility numbers. So now they have both kinds of both sides of that spectrum a little bit. And these explosiveness numbers are by far the most correlated with NFL success. So if you're looking at Osai as an immediate, you know, situational pass rusher, could come in, have, you know, 500 snaps as a rookie, could end up with six sacks or so. I think that you take that from a role player that you get in the third round. No doubt about it. I mean, especially because this this draft class, it's not like there was edge rushers screaming at them at five. There was none. And there certainly weren't a, a ton at 38 where it felt like I, I get it. We had mocked it where it was like, oh, well, there's a chance that this guy or this guy. But for whatever reason, Aziz obviously fell and there, there just wasn't. So um, to get him where you did. Again, I, I feel like it it made up for what day two was. And you're right. I, I looked at, as you were talking, the Bob McGinn stuff, and I don't think the Jackson-Carmen pick, it might not be as bad as it feels right now, but Osai, for as bad as that felt, felt the other way. Uh, you know, I think this does get an A if you want to give it a grade that way because of the value, because of the upside, because of what he brings to the field. And, and, and then the attitude part of it, which – I think is going to be a, a big deal here on this defense as they try to find their identity. Because I think Jesse Bates wants to be that leader, but I don't really know who, it, who it's going to be. Maybe it is going to be Bates, but outside of him, you're going to need other guys. I look on offense, I can see where that's coming from. It's Burrow, then it's Boyd, then it's Mix, you know, and it, you could just go on and on with all these guys. Um, and hell, you might even throw Chase in there. I don't know where it's coming from on defense. And, and a guy like this, I could see down the line after he has a six-sack rookie season and then an eight-sack season suddenly uh, develop into one of these really productive leaders on the defensive line. That would be the best case for him. I, I do think there might be a bit of a ceiling question there. This might be another reason that he's there in the third round. I think the size is a limiting factor. I think that the agility may or may not be a limiting factor. We'll see. He might add some weight. We'll see what the Bengals ask him to do. Very curious to see how he's deployed, but he brings some juice and they needed some juice in the pass rush, right? So they've got some athletes out there now with Trey Hendrickson, with Joseph Osai. They, they add uh, Ogan Joby in there. So your nickel package now, Ogan Joby and Hubbard inside, Osai and Hendrickson, your, your first guys on the outside. Khaled Kareem going to get some snaps in there as well. But I think that that, could end up being a little bit better than what they had last year. There's a little bit more athleticism there and we'll just have to see how they get deployed and, and how they produce in Luana Rumo's defense. And I wouldn't be surprised, Jake, if they go edge again, you have three fourth rounders. There are some guys there. Maybe they do it. I, I wouldn't be shocked. And, and if they don't, I think there's some veterans out there as well that they'll have their eye on. And, do they go edge in the fourth round, maybe fifth round? We'll discuss the the players, the top prospects remaining that are left after two days of the NFL draft next right here on Locked On Bengals. But we talk about it all the time. Built Bar. 
I've had about eight built bars the past two days because we've stayed up all day, all night covering the draft. And guess what? Sometimes you don't have a lot of time to eat. You're on the go. Built bar is a great way to replace a meal if you need to or have a post-workout snack because they taste great. There's 18 different flavors. They're all covered in 100% chocolate and they're high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you. So you need to check them out right now, BuiltBar.com. You're not going to regret it. I got my friends on the Built Bar plan uh, from L.A. to all over the country. I have different friends that are like, hey, what, what's that promo code again? It's simple. It's LOCKED15. So, again, go to BuiltBar.com. Check out all they have to offer. And when you're checking out, use promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. It's worth noting, by the way, before we dive into different prospects the Bengals could draft in rounds four through seven in the NFL draft on Saturday, Jake, that um, Jackson Carmen's worked out with a lot of noteworthy people from former Bengals offensive line coach Paul Alexander to Willie Anderson, who gave uh, gave the Bengals his stamp of approval. The Bengals called him before this pick on Friday afternoonish, I want to say. And uh, and talked with him about Carmen, who, again, had worked out with Willie. And then he also worked out with Duke Mayweather. So you're talking about three guys that obviously know offensive line. And uh, and so he's working out, it seems like, with the right people. And one thing Willie said is he wouldn't be surprised if he could play tackle. I don't see it. I don't think anyone really sees it. Heck, even Dan Brugler only lists him as a guard. So I think he's a guard in the NFL. But it uh, it is good to see that he's working out with the right people. Totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. It's always good to see that stuff. I mean, he's working out with Rashawn Slater. Duke Manyweather can pick and choose who he works with in a, in a lot of ways at this point in time. And, I mean, he's he's putting the work in. At least he's putting the work in. I mean, he. I'm sure all these guys are training with different people, but Duke very well respected at this point. And there, there's some reason for optimism there. Coming from that independent hands school of teaching, that Jackson Carmen employs. I think that gives him a really solid foundation. The feet need work on tape. The feet need work. So we'll see again. We'll see. We'll see how it works out with the Bengals. Looking forward to seeing him in the preseason, looking forward to seeing how he fits with this team, how the scheme might be different, but let's talk day three, James, because we've talked a lot about offensive line. There's some trench players that I really have my eye on here. And I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, I guess we should start with offensive linemen, though, because mm-hmm. I think, you know, when we've gone through the mock drafts, it's been wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line, offensive line, like quite often. Mm-hmm. There's two extra fourth round picks in there now. And this board is starting to scream package those two fourth round picks and get two picks at the top of the fourth round. To me, I don't want to necessarily see them take three fourth round picks unless they hit them all then great. But Let's talk offensive linemen a little bit here. I've got Brandon Thorne's best available board pulled up. Brandon Thorne, uh, fantastic offensive line analyst, has been on the podcast before, does the Trench Warfare newsletter, does the offensive line scouting for Bleacher Report, ignoring the fact that another guy at the Bleacher Report gave the Bengals two Fs. Brandon Thorne, very well-respected offensive line evaluator. Here <laughs> is what's left at the top of his board, James. Stone Forsyth, six foot eight tackle from Florida. He has a second round grade on Stone Forsyth, and that is a fantastic name. 
He's got Brendan Jameis or James. I'm not actually sure how this last name is pronounced. He's a tackle, maybe interior line prospect from Nebraska, a little bit undersized at 298, but has a late second round grade on him. Drew Dalman, a captain, a center from Stanford, was a senior, has an early third round grade there. Deontay Brown from Alabama, the mountain of a man we've talked about before, 6'3", 344. He has a mid-third grade on Deontay Brown. Don't know about Trey Smith's medicals, but a late third on Trey Smith, the Tennessee guard. Then I don't think the Bengals are going to probably be one of the teams considering Josh Ball from Marshall, but he got a late third, early fourth grade on tape from Brandon Thorne. Then we come back with a few more guys I'm going to mention here. I'm not just going to read the whole list, but David Moore is a name that Lap also mentioned from Grambling State, a guard, fourth round guy. And then you get down to like James Hudson, Deontay Smith, Tommy Doyle at tackle, some fifth round grades. Larnell Coleman from Massachusetts, a fifth round grade from Brandon Thorne. So a lot of guards going back to my earlier criticism of the Jackson Carmen pick that they aren't really in a position to double dip at guard. I mean, I guess they could. They just still need to tackle next year if that's the case. But Stone Forsyth really stands out to me. And if it's not Forsyth, then I think you're waiting maybe until late fourth if you're looking for a tackle. It's time to get Stone, Jake. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. That, that was my guy in the mocks. I, I told you I liked him. I like pass blocking. And I, look, this guy... Is he going to be your your tackle this year? No. But I want Frank Pollock to to grab him and get his hands on him and, and develop him. So next year or the year after that, or who knows, maybe Riley Reef plays for the next five years. At some point, though, Stone Forsyth might have to step in. And uh, and so, no, that that's, that's my guy. I did not know Brandon Thorne had a second-round grade on him. I'm even more bullish on him now because I hadn't seen anyone that high on him. I thought I was kind of like – pie in the sky, higher on stone than everybody else. You see, I'm making all sorts of references here, but, uh, it, it would be nice to, to see if they, if they could get him, then you have your guard, you have your tackle, you can develop both and hopefully one can start for you. And obviously that would be Jackson Carmen because stone Forsyth is never going to be able to start at guard and you don't need him to, uh, to play tackle. So, uh, but, but it would be good if they could somehow get the, the wheels churning and, and moving forward, because I don't think anyone wants to bank on Fred Johnson being one of the backup tackles. It's okay if he's on the roster and maybe a, a second stringer, but I think you want to have another option as well. And they do have Akeem Adenogy as an option, and sure. you know, Lapham has talked to us about him, and we, we kind of dismissed Butch, Jeff Hobson a little bit. But when Lap brings it up, you know, Lap played offensive line, and, and it's fair to say that he was a developmental guy that we can see how he responds to Frank Pollock. Some other guys that I'm looking at, though, James, if it's not Forsyth, and Forsyth is probably option A for me right now with pick 111, there are a number of guys that are still quite attractive to me at this point. I'm just kind of looking at PFF's list to jog my memory, but Jalen Darden at this point is is a pretty intriguing name. He's number eight on PFF's best available, not that PFF is a be-all, end-all, but that's the list I happen to be looking at at the moment to help jog my memory. Uh, Rashad Weaver from Pitt is is starting to become fairly interesting to me on day three, and then I, I started to talk, I said I said there were trench guys. Tommy Togiai. They haven't drafted a three tech yet. Togiai is a guy that I've been on since early in the process. 
I think that he's just going to be a solid player in the NFL. I know it's a weak interior defensive line class, but I, I just think that Togi is going to be a solid player. He might not be great, but he's just a guy that I want on my team. I think he does a lot of things pretty well, even if it's not stand out one trait to hang his hat on. There's also Bobby Brown, Cam Sample, staying on the, the edge rusher train, Patrick Johnson. There's Marvin Wilson, interior defender from Florida State. So a lot of guys in the trenches there that stand out to me at the top of the fourth round. And this Davion Nixon, sorry, got to mention Davion Nixon. That's another guy that I'd be really interested in. And that's why I'm starting to look at, take those two fourth round picks you got later and make them two early fourth round picks instead of three total fourth round picks. And they have two sixth rounders too. So you, you have the ammo to move up and get quality over quantity, which is, is where I, I think a lot of us are at here because they need these guys. They're in the unfortunate situation. And I know I mentioned it with Stone Forsyth where he can develop. But like Tommy Togiai, you, you need him to contribute right now if you pick him. And if they don't get a three-tech, guess what? They're going to have to dip their toe back into free agency after – the, the dust has settled and potentially go out and get a guy. And and that's where things are at. They need contributors. That doesn't mean they need starters, but they need to find contributors on day three. And it can't just be you're, you're, you're sitting for two years and playing special teams only. And, and then we'll get you in there when, you know, someone signs elsewhere. It, it's just they don't have that luxury right now. And they're going to have to hit on some of these guys. So uh, and heck, you talked about it, by the way, Jake, you talked about this, the the need to hit on day three picks. Well, don't you want to go with quality? Doesn't that bolster it as much as anything? I, I get it. You you want more swings at it. At the same time, when you get to this stage of the draft, I get wanting to have more picks and more swings in general, but I, I think you got to go for the the prospects that you feel really, really, really strongly about that you have higher grades on, like a Stone Forsyth. Like if the Bengals have a, a second round grade on Stone Forsyth, try to get them. Because you're you're at the start of round four now, and you have the ammo to do it. Yeah, I, I do think that uh, I wouldn't want to give away too much because if you do want to hit a day three, James, like you say, you do need to take a lot of swings. There's a lot more uncertainty. There's a lot more flaws in the profiles at this point. You know, Amir Smith-Marset is a guy we've talked about for day three to keep an eye on. I think the other Auburn wide receiver who isn't a track athlete, Seth Williams, is a guy who ticks a lot of boxes that I think you got to keep an eye on for the Bengals as well. So yes, I, I on the one hand agree that that there is a drop off relatively soon. And so if the Bengals came out of the fourth round with Stone Forsyth and Tommy Togi, I am, I am thrilled. Like mm -hmm. I, I think that's ideal. I, I love Togi as a prospect, as I've said, especially at this point in the draft, Really like Forsyth as a prospect, uh, given the relative depth of the remaining offensive tackle prospects. And then, like, how about a running back? Like, if Kenneth Gainwell is still around, if they keep their picks, for example. Say they keep their picks, and they start with Forsyth, and they come back, and maybe they miss on Togiai, and instead it's Bobby Brown from, from A&M, or, or, you know... It's it's Jonathan Cooper from Ohio State or one of the USC interior defensive linemen or Davion Nixon or whatever. And then they come back with that third, that third pick and, and they pick Kenneth Gainwell and get that electric running back and, and try to find that element that they might be losing 
with Geo. I know they've talked a lot about Samaje Piran, but we're on running back watch at this point with the picks they've added in the fourth round. There's no doubt. And Kenneth Gainwell, if you could get him, it certainly would make some sense from a, a replacing Geo standpoint. It, it, the, again, the problem is, is they're looking at these, you know, potentially instant contributors. You could argue, oh, well, running back, this guy could contribute. At the same time, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they double dipped at edge. I certainly expect them to double dip at offensive line. And depending on who's there, I'm okay with them going guard, by the way, and, and just getting another guard that they feel good about that, yeah, who knows what happens with guys like Quentin Spain, Xavier Suofilo. Xavier Suofilo certainly dealt with his fair share of injuries. Yeah, on that guard note, Sedarius Hutcherson is a day three guy that I flagged as a as a captain that fits a lot of, I think, the Bengals, the Bengals things that they like to look for in interior offensive linemen, a name to watch. No doubt. No doubt. And you already said Drew Dowman, I believe. And so uh, if they add to the interior, maybe it's the uh, center that they feel like they could move them to guard if they need to. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they uh, look at a center on day three. And one thing real quick, Zach Taylor did say best player available. And I think they're going to try to do that and marry that as, you know, as much as they can. It's just a tough situation right now because I think they need to go offensive line sooner rather than later. And there are some guys, non-linemen now, that are, are probably going to be at the top of their board. So the value versus the need might not line up like I, I thought it, it could if they, uh, if they had went in a different route earlier in the draft. No matter what day three has in store, we will be there for you. We will recap day three tomorrow on Saturday. All sorts of bonus content this week from Lockdown Bengals. We'll even be back on Sunday with a full draft retrospective as we look back on the new additions to the Bengals team. Until tomorrow, Bengals fans, enjoy day three of the draft. Who day? And have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.